Welcome to the Bourbon Library, hosted by the Bayless Brothers. A spirited conversation always served neat as barrel proof of our family bond. Grab a glass. The episode starts now. Devin, tell us the story. Tell us the story about how we got started on Whiskey Row, Old Forester Whiskey Row. Um, I have a dad. His name is Craig. B A L A S B A L A S. Welcome to the Bourbon Library, where the books cost money, but the stories are free. This episode's bourbon choice is sentimental. Um. Well, I believe you and I were having a flight one day when no. you, you had some old Forester, right? No. Well, then you no. tell a story. I don't know what story you want me to tell. You see, when our father first started getting serious about bourbon, it made Christmas a lot easier. We kind of finally knew what to get him. So Devin was out searching for the perfect bottle. And he wasn't really sure what to get yet. This was still sort of in the early days, and my dad was trying a lot of different things. Alec recommended a bottle that we had tried while working on a film in Kentucky, Old Forester. Dad was just getting into bourbon, and I said, well, I don't want to get him, like, 100 proof. I don't know if Dad drinks 50% alcohol. Like, I'll just get him the, the you know, milder stuff because it's easier to drink. And, and so I did that. But then Dad's like, oh, I like the stronger stuff, too. And I was like, oh, okay. So next time, I'll look out for the, the other two in that line. And then, Dad, I think you took it upon yourself and said, I'm going to get some of the other lines. So today, we're exploring the fourth and final edition of Old Forester's Whiskey Row series, the 1910 Old Fine Whiskey. My dad loves it. So one of my rules for my library is when I get a new bottle, a new brand, I open it right away so it's available for people to try. So we opened that bottle right away and tried it. and We all thought it was really good. Okay. So let's set the table here for a second. It's 1910. The president is William Howard Taft. Prohibition is nearly a decade away. Rock and roll is still something you do to make babies, not the soundtrack for it. And the Wright brothers are still perfecting their flying machines. It's fall and a fire breaks out at a brown foreman distillery, putting an indefinite hold on one of their bottling lines. A mature whiskey waiting to be bottled, already proofed down a little bit to 100, has to be stored in secondary barrels. Because the bourbon was proofed down to 100 in preparation for the bottling, it actually has an opportunity to soak in more of the wood sugars in the new barrel, which is what gives it its sweet flavor and charred oak finish. My dad explains. What they found was kind of like uh, the mictors that we talk about, it went in at 100 proof and was able to uh, get more access to the wood and break down the tannins and the, sh- the wood sugars and uh, gave it a unique and delicious um, flavor profile. Historically, this also means that Old Forester led the charge with their double barreling technique, which is now a mainstream process. So to recreate that, uh, Old Forester took their whiskey and put it into a second barrel and gave it that flavor and pulled it out at 93 proof and it's delicious. Its final proof is 93 and its mash bill is 72% corn, 18% rye, 10% malted barley. It's easy drinking. 
What were some complex notes? Um, well, the, the first thing that I taste out of this one that it feels new to me or different is that it does have like uh, wood, wood and a little bit of like char flavor. That's what I'm getting out of it out of the gate. Is, that, is anyone else you're feeling just, that? You're just making that up because I said it's double barrel. Old Forester suggests a few things to look for in the aroma, taste, and finish. Alec, could you break this down a bit, but like in a cool, old distiller voice? According to oldforester.com, this is what you should taste. When it comes to aroma, you should smell interlaced layers of buttercream, sticky toffee, cedar, and apricot. You should taste a smooth, well-rounded mingling of sweet oatmeal raisin cookie and milk chocolate leading into a caramel corn and evolving spice. And for the finish, charred oak leads with a clean peripheral spice. You won't find a finer family. I wonder if all of our old pine whiskeys taste a little bit different. So how would we- Why? Well, I don't know. Because it's, it's slightly different so. every time you make bourbon. I don't, I don't think it's, uh, they're gonna be completely different because one of the big skills that places like Old Forester have is their ability to blend different barrels to get a unique and consistent flavor. Okay. Interesting. So, I mean, your, your interpretation of it might be different. Sure. But the, the taste is going to be consistent and it's going to be done professionally. I definitely taste the oatmeal flavor. But it's funny because when I'm, when I'm taking a sip, I smell brown sugar like super strong. Mm. That's what so it, like that's the aroma. Those are like the three things, like the aroma, the taste, and the finish. If you yeah. literally just sniff it. Oh yeah, it's all brown really, sugar. It's, it's all brown sugar. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they, they say uh, buttercream, sticky toffee, cedar, and apricot. Yeah, well I get brown sugar. Those are all names. I mean, it's I all get. those things. Those are all, all different names I used while I was a stripper. That's the funny thing about, I hear all those, read all those different bourbon uh, yeah. flavor profiles and tastings, and I don't get the, the fruity stuff, the flavor. When they say apricots or whatever, I don't get those. Yeah, I agree, same. But yeah, maybe that's just because I'm not a big fruit eater and I, I prefer the, the sweet part of it, but the caramels and the chocolates and the, the nuts, I, I get all those, but. Do you do you have to do you have to be able to taste do you have to taste all that stuff to enjoy bourbon? No, you get you get drunk, so it's always enjoyable. So Vice interviewed some sort of bourbon person, Vice magazine, and they said that if you describe a bourbon as smooth to a professional bourbon person, they'll think you're an idiot. What are our thoughts on that? With bourbon, for me, there's a there's a full palette of flavors and spiciness and. Um, the higher the proof, uh, you know, you get a little bit of the initial burn, you get the Kentucky blanket, you get all that stuff. And so I agree. I think smooth is a bad word to use. Because it's, it's not addressing uh, the, the nuance. Right. So here's a little bit more about Brown Foreman. According to their website, Old Forester remains the only bourbon continually sold by the same company before, during, and after Prohibition. This has a lot to do with its initial presentation as medicine, from which it also gets its name. A rumored Dr. Forrester knew that what we needed was something strong enough to heal more than physical ailments, but those of the spiritual kind as well. Thanks, Dr. Forrester. Based in Louisville, Brown Foreman also owns Woodford Reserve and Jack Daniels, along with a number of other popular spirit companies. Though a publicly traded company, 
Over 40 descendants of George Garvin Brown own 70% of the stock, making it a multi-billion dollar family business. So it was Devin who probably bought dad his first bottle, not his first bottle of bourbon ever, but dad, but you were the first one to capitalize on dad's love of bourbon. All right. Dad, oh. how did, what, I don't remember now when you went from casual bourbon drinker to like where you're at now. I don't remember that transformation happening except like it almost feels like it was overnight. I, I was a Jack and Diet Coke drinker for a really long time. Like when? And- uh, my whole like, childhood yeah like 16. i actually never as soon saw as ryan dad. was born <laughs> i don't think i ever yeah. saw dad drink we I, I, me either dad drank jack and coke with grandpa bayless that yeah, was pretty I, much exclusively I, then unless he was with his sisters and then he would drink jack's fruit punch i still think there was like a 20 down year home, hiatus down home punch. that the down home punch which was from jack daniels yeah. yes yep. so when they when punch was a thing in the 90s now it's not as big of a deal but in the nineties, the they made a punch, and Dad would drink that with his sisters, and then he would drink Jack and Coke when he was with Grandpa Bayless. That might explain why my dad loves Old Forester. I mean, he started with Jack Daniels, same company. We've um, all, I think, all of us have uh, inherited the habit at our age. The work, the the sky's the limit for us. Oh boy! And it, we found it twenty uh, years earlier than you did in your life. And that, <laughs> that means we're going to cut our lifespan by about fifteen. Well, I think if you look if you look at the library, I made up for lost time. Number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what that means is that you guys have twenty years to to seek out and find some really good bourbon to try them. By now, you should realize that drinking bourbon together is really an excuse for us to connect. My dad has a great rule in his bourbon library. If you get a new bottle, you open it right away, and everybody should try some. It's more than just these bottles. It's more than just their flavor profiles. It really is about great conversation, getting together, and connecting. Some of the coolest moments for me have been spent down in the library with, with family and friends. Yeah. Right? I've had, I've, I've had Cindy and Jennifer down there trying bourbon. Of course, Cindy's not a bourbon drinker, but Jennifer does. You guys coming down with your friends and hanging out and Tim and Tim and Matt coming down. Ralph, right? Ralph spent some time down there drinking with us. Thinking about lineage and with a few more warm Kentucky hugs, we started to talk about some of life's more complex issues. You know, the history of bourbon is probably... A dark road is it gets, yeah. it gets tricky. It, it gets tricky, right? How do you um, take away the southern tradition without, you know what I mean? How do you embrace the southern tradition without becoming uh, em, embroiled in racial undertones? It's right, even thing. because even that that applies to food, right? I mean, and appropriating food and where food comes from, and you know, you think about uh, many many. Uh, lots of southern food we credit the white restaurateur but we don't think about the older black men or women who are cooking the food who, who, who came up with the food because that was food they grew up with you know and that's food that's in their you family need, you, need, you need to credit people that's what you that's, that's yeah right maybe that's the starting point is saying this is the legacy of something and this is where it came from kind of like Freddie right his dad and his granddad were both yeah. laborers Right? At Buffalo Trace for a really long time. Mm-hmm. 
they embraced that past, right? Instead of um, dwelling on what you could say was, you know, um, poor or cheap labor or whatever, right? It was a family tradition. They rolled barrels for a really long time and they embraced the historical aspects of that instead of the, you know, the racial. So he, in, in some ways he took, he took ownership of his legacy, even though yeah. it was rooted in something that was. In uh, slavery. In, in, well, in slavery or cruelty or, or uh, injustice and decided to own the legacy rather than to, uh, because it was a part of who he was. Yeah. And so like, if we have to own the legacy of white privilege, then it's our responsibility to make choices that help benefit people who don't benefit from it. Does that make sense? Is that right? Is that where we're sure. I, I think it's our responsibility to make sure everyone's benefiting equally. And that means uh, like reverse disproportionately, right? Like we as white men benefit a little bit less than black women to make it equal. To balance out, to equally balance out. It's ultimately about coming to the table and having a conversation. I think, I think it's one of those, it's, just, it's like, do connect the artist to the art. Because some of that shit's real good and you want to drink it, but also there's enough good stuff out there to ignore people that are just like fucked up in the way they think. You have to keep, but also keep talking it's a about sign, it, right? Because you got, you got the kid in Georgia, right? Yeah. That shit, that shit still happens. Yeah. In spite of all of the, you know, how much has been brought to the forefront and talked about and worked on and dealt with. It's interesting. I mean, it's like a whole, there's, that's, you're talking about law. So, the, the, I mean, to dad's point, we have to keep talking about it. And, and yeah, maybe that's, that, maybe that's the interesting that's thing about, I know it's our bourbon, our bourbon chat, but this is a worthwhile conversation in general where we have to go to our tribes we have to go to our families, we have to go to whatever, and we have to like talk it out because to, to dad's point, it's, it's 2020 and, and a lynching happened over not, I mean, over nothing, over yeah. ra 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 racism. I mean, the two men killed the young man and uh, over the color of his skin. And, and it's like, can we, but the thing is, the bigger question I guess I would pose is if we drink, <laughs> I'm bringing it back around, but if we drink companies or we support companies that are the bigger systems that have benefited from the injustice for long periods of time, are we, is that problematic or no? And a lot of these companies that may have started in that time period, whether they were racist or not, or benefited from slavery or not, are still around doesn't mean that they're racist now. Like, I get that you can you could take it as far as, but in 1865 you guys used slaves for your workers. Well, they're not using slaves for their workers today, and that doesn't mean yeah, that people no, running today aren't sure. really good people. People running today could be awesome people that are trying to give back to community. So it's it's really unfair to be like, well, you you were founded on slavery, right? Okay. Well, I would go back. I would go back. You live in the, you so is every other in company in the U.S. at the time. Drinking bourbon together is about connecting. And of course, that leads to great conversation, sometimes silly and sometimes more complex. We are in a position of privilege.
simply being alive. And we have an obligation to listen and go to our tribes and talk about the hard stuff. It can be scary, but also deeply rewarding. Someone's life may even depend on it. What's important to us is not about being right, despite what Devin thinks. There's no debate with you, Ryan. It's you feel like your opinion's always right, period. Well, that's that's and you don't listen to anything anyone else says. You already are you're just waiting to say your answer. That's not true at all. Okay. <laughs> listen to the record listen to this recording and then see if that's true at all. Well, I'm gonna be able to edit this out. I'm gonna make it sound like you were like, You're right, Ryan. <laughs> I love you. You're my favorite. Yeah, brother. you're you're gonna find somewhere in the podcast where I said the word you yeah. are and right. Yeah. Put them together. Gonna, like, yeah, my brother always tells me I'm right. I love him. It's gonna cut you off. Like, you wouldn't mind real Devin had something interesting to say. <laughs> I and it and it just cuts you going, I love you. You are right, Ryan. <laughs> We hope this leads to some wonderful conversations between you, your friends, your family, and anyone else who's happy to engage in the process of understanding the human experience. Devin has sort of an interesting perspective on this. You are right, Ryan. Your opinion's always right, period. These days, as we navigate the deep seas of these confusing times, we must anchor ourselves in the depths of our joy. For us, it begins with the first sip of a great bourbon. This is the palate opener, never indulgent, but always complex. After that, the world opens up and poetry writes itself on the walls of our lives. In the spirit of family, we'd like to dedicate this episode to our producer in arms, Craig Dacey. His family's had a rough few weeks, and we just want to say how much we love him, and we're grateful for his contributions. We miss him on the podcast, and we will have a bar stool waiting for you, Craig, when you're ready. Thanks for listening to our show. If you like what you heard, kindly take the time to rate and review our show wherever you're listening. It will help us grow and make more episodes. Remember to follow us on Spotify and tell your friends about the Bourbon Library. Do you have a bourbon you think we should try? Let us know, and we might just feature it on a future episode. And we'll be sure to give you a shout-out. If you're listening from Spotify, Anchor, or Apple Podcasts, turn on those notifications so you know when we drop a new episode. All right, bourbon lovers. Until next time. To drink is to live.